With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Tennis.com podcast. This is Ed McGrogan here, as always, with Steve Tigner uh, to catch up on the latest in the game. And at this very moment, Steve, we're in the middle of we're in the middle of the Olympics. We're uh, in the middle of just a, a very busy summer period for the game because of the Olympics. Um, we you know we have. Uh, it's sped up a little bit because of the schedule, obviously. You know, how have you uh, enjoyed or have you know have seen the experience from Rio uh, here in the U.S.? Oh, well, I like tennis at the Olympics. You know, some people think it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be there, shouldn't be part of the games, or that it's not that different from from a regular tour event. And it is true; it's just a it's just regular um, draws. There's no team event. Uh, which is too bad, but I, I like the way the players have you know have come to love playing at the Olympics. How much it means to them. I like that they they play the singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. Um, it's obviously hasn't been as as a big an extravaganza or as big a tournament as the one in London. Everybody was there. It was at Wimbledon. You know, Rio. The whole Rio Olympics is you know, has that they just didn't have as much money as as London did, and it hasn't been sort of hasn't had that feel of prestige but but you could see really the emotion in the best match so far uh, when Juan Martin Del Potro beat Novak Djokovic you could see you know both both guys were in tears as they walked off it really you could see what it meant to them and that it is different and has a different feel to it um, you know these guys get one chance every four years to to get a medal and and you realize that it, that it means a lot to them so so yeah. I've, liked, I've liked it yeah, and we'll and we'll get to that, of course. Uh, I, I love the. There's been a lot of uh, night play as well. Uh, they there have to a lot of matches have to be fit in. Uh, so you're getting, I think, that really good vibe uh, from the crowds there in the evening. I think the crowds have been actually pretty. I think they've been what we expected, but been pretty good, especially for the marquee matches as well. Um, you know, we I I think we often uh, talk about Miami having this. Uh, the vibe of Latin American, South American fans and, and getting that evening vibe. It's one of the best on tour. I think we're seeing that here with all that's at stake. Um, I do enjoy the sort of supersized, boring court that is the center court here. Um, they, they they built it, you know, they essentially built a circle around it. There's some, there's some seating in there, but it, it really does uh, make for a good stage, I think, as well. And, you know, I, I certainly agree that we're seeing what uh, the importance of the players are putting on this. Um, Djokovic, you know, like, you know, like Federer, he, he's missing that 
elusive gold in singles from from his otherwise you know extravagant collection of uh, of achievements and you know you saw that and he, he, it should be mentioned he also lost in doubles in the first round too uh just a day or two after so it really was just a, a you know not a not a, an olympics that he was expecting at all and you know part of that i guess is him and part of it of course is del potro too yeah i think you know del potro played i also think it's it can be tough for these guys who have a really regular schedule of peak, trying to peak for the for the majors. Suddenly, you've got the Olympics, of um, an event that they treat, you know, at the level of a major, or almost at the level of a major. Suddenly, just kind of thrown in, you know, the, the Olympics isn't scheduled for tennis uh, at all. Um, with that, in mind, you know, with tennis players in mind at all, suddenly Djokovic has to be ready. These guys have to be ready for a tournament they normally don't have to prepare for so i think that that can you know that can throw them off i feel like he wasn't quite ready physically or or you know for this event and also just del potro played an excellent match that was about as tough a draw as you can get it's the same guy who beat him for the bronze medal in london four years ago yeah you know to me it just it keeps reinforcing what i feel like the del potro story has been nearly his whole career but in particular, since he's you know had to deal with so many wrist injuries, surgeries, um, that it's kind of the guy you never want to face in any moment uh, in a significant event. He and just really a man that creates uh, moments in general. With um, he, I think tends to play, t- you know, tends to really embrace these uh you know the major matches that he gets the the big opponents that he faces i think he i think he seems like he's he always wants to he he believes he clearly still does that he is uh you know amongst that caliber but it it's just it's so tough as we've seen for him to sustain and you know you got to see you know by the end against Djokovic too where you felt like you know maybe that you know toward the second set there all Djokovic, you know, needed was kind of that one opening, and you know, to Del Potro's uh, immense credit, you just, you know, he just kept firing, and it's the forehands that you remember so well from many great matches, including, you know, matches against Djokovic too. He, those two had a really good one at Wimbledon about three years ago that I, that, you know, kind of Djokovic took that one, but, um, but it, it, you know, to me, it's, it's. As much as we'll kind of look ahead at you know where this takes Djokovic, the Del Potro story is just a fantastic one. Yeah, one time, one thing I, you know, I had felt ever since he's come back this time um, in March that his forehand was actually even better, just because it than it had been in the past. He he said he'd worked on it a lot because that was really the one shot he could work on without feeling any pain, um, you know, with his left wrist after his left wrist surgery. And I feel like it's been better out of necessity because he hasn't had much of a backhand, just the slice. Now it's now it's a little better. Now he can at least block it deep. But his forehand is, seems even more, you know, consistently good because he. It's almost as if when he gets one, he knows he has to do a lot with it, and and it, you can see that in the Djokovic match, it worked for him. And you know, he he came back the next day and and won again. So so we'll see where that takes him. He's, he obviously, like you said, is a guy who loves who loves big stages, gravitates to that. Um, and and you could feel that in the night match against Djokovic. Yeah, and how do you at this point, at least, you know, how do you kind of assess or describe even um, 
Djokovic's season really to this point. It's 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 so strange because it it um, you know we're com- we have a, a really recent comparison of last year in uh, in which you know he puts together you know I think the best season of his career better than 2011. He you know he he gets that French title. Um, you know I I don't think you can just simply kind of say it's it or maybe it is you know that there you know that huge relief to get over that and uh since we've had you know it's it's he's had some you know he wins toronto he without playing probably his best but as you've mentioned before without losing a set he has the wimbledon loss to query query and del Potro are certainly players that obviously on their days are going to be just really uh you know really tough to handle but I guess where do you see Djokovic right now after these two Olympic losses? And as I said, he um, he announced recently that he will uh, he will next play the U.S. Open. He will not play Cincinnati. That's actually the only Masters title that he hasn't won. Yeah, I think maybe we'll find out later at some point that there was a physical issue with him. He hinted at it at Wimbledon, and he had his left wrist taped at the Olympics. Um, I felt like he was too conservative in this. I felt like the Wimbledon loss to Query was a letdown. If there wasn't something physical, I think there was a emotional letdown after the French. I think this there, there might have been some nerves in this in the Olympics, knowing what it meant. And I feel like he was a little too conservative, more conservative than he would normally be against Del Potro. He really gave you know you have to move Del Potro, and he he didn't come up with those shots. Um, it is hard to say whether all of this is just a let. You know, he's been so consistent, so steady. Maybe there's just a little bit of a you know, a little bit of an emotional or a, just a little drop in, in confidence or intensity. Um, and we'll see whether it ends up being physical. Hopefully he's able to, to play the U.S. Open. And, and, but, it, but, you know, it's not a surprise that he would, that he would lose to Del Potro. Um, it, it's not as if he lost to somebody he'd never lost before. It was a, it was a bad draw. Um, you know, maybe it's just a case of him, maybe that he won't be, you know, whenever somebody's dominating, we think they're going to dominate forever, and it just it doesn't happen that way. You look at Federer's career, and he's won, I think, only one Slam in his 30s when he won 16. Leading up to that, I'm not saying Djokovic is going to go in that direction, but but the guys who are dominant, they don't. It doesn't mean they're going to continue that uh, over the, you know for forever. And maybe that's a good segue into um, you know the other big happening on what was really just the second day of the competition on Sunday. Uh, that was the Williamses losing in doubles. They had never lost a doubles match at the Olympics ever. And, uh, you know, starting back in 2000. Um, and just a, you know, another another point, you know, along those lines that you made that um, it's, it's something that for a variety of reasons um, you can possibly explain away a little bit a little more now but you know certainly at that time um there was you know was little reason to think that uh you know they are once again were once again the prohibitive favorites in this but you know a big shocker that was of course kind of uh you know quickly forgotten in a sense because of the Djokovic news right after yeah, you you know it's a it was a, it's a shocker in the sense that the Williamses hadn't lost. They were fifteen and zero in the Olympics. They and typically have won the big events. You know, whenever they've played, they must have the, the highest winning percentage in in 
as far as doubles, grand slams players ever. Um, but when you, when you look at it again, you looked at Venus is 36. Serena's going to be 35. Venus was sick. Safarova and, and uh, Streetsova are a, are a good team. Safarova's top 10 player. Streetsova is, is, is a good doubles player. They, you had when they were at the beginning of the match, you sort of felt like they could sense some vulnerability, especially in Venus. They went after her. Um, and she struggled at first, and then I think the real problem was Serena felt like she needed to pick up the slack, so she went for even more than she normally does. That threw her off her game. She was she had trouble. She missed time some poaches, missed some shots she normally wouldn't miss. So it was sort of a a perfect storm in a way uh, of trouble for both of them. Um, and you know I, I guess it was it was it was bound to happen. It was a bad timing for Venus, who was who got sick at the. At, you know, right before this tournament, her you know her her big event, um, but you you look at Safarov and Streets of and you look at that as also as a quality team, quality team the same way Del Potro was a quality player, uh, beating Djokovic. Right. What else have you uh, been looking at um, or have seen in this Olympics? Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday in the early afternoon, so we're three days in. It's it seems like we've really seen a lot of. Of tennis, it's it's kind of nonstop, um, start to finish, and then you know this is really uh, you know if just speaking from what's on television, there's a lot more than that going on as well. But um, you know what uh, what's come to mind? I, I I've I I recall you know you take you see uh, Jack Sock kind of floundering, taking having even a little bit of a, a Twitter spat with Brad Gilbert over something. You've seen. You've seen some more surprises, certainly, and then you've seen some, you know, some, uh, you know, memorable wins already too. So maybe some early takeaways from the games. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing that's always true for the Olympics, and I wish it was true for for the tour, is how much value the doubles could be if the top players played. How much more value fans would get out of a tournament? You know, here you could, you know, one of the days you could see Rafa play singles, and then you could see him play doubles. It's just there's just more there for fans to see if the tour could find a way to get those players to play doubles. I've the only way that I've ever been able to figure out that if you could actually make it happen is to have the rankings combine singles and doubles. Nobody's really talking about that, but but just the Olympics to me is just another showcase of of what that could do for tennis and and how could it, how much it would give fans who are just at the events more to see. Um, and also you think of it that way too, in comparison to a lot of other Olympic um, sports that take place, which really, uh, for, you know, which have always been kind of segmented into various events. Uh, swimming is a good example, where that has been, you know, those events have been have been have been sort of played out that way um, for you know their entire. Uh, circuit that lead up to the Olympics. It's, and tennis is the outlier in that case where it's really only given this importance because a medal is on the line, as opposed to um, you know giving having those always be as meaningful as they are down here in Rio. Yeah, I mean, look at Michael Phelps in the relay. That was a huge event. You get to see him in the past. You got to see him in eight events, uh, and that could be that's something that it's just unfortunate that tennis can't make that happen. Um, but otherwise, you know, watching Nadal play, how into it he's been. He's playing mixed doubles um, with Garbine Muguruza. Uh, he's was very into the doubles, the men's doubles that he played. Uh, the Americans have had 
their struggles. One positive is Madison Keys. I feel like she's she's played. She you know she is another person who's who seems to love playing in the Olympics and love the Olympics in general. And it's shown in her her play. She's won a couple three set matches now that maybe would have thought she would normally lose um, in in regular tournaments or in the past. She seems to be have a little bit more of a fighting edge at the end of these matches. Uh, we'll see whether you know how far that takes her. She's won match away from from the medal so from a u.s perspective that's been that's been a positive i want to make mention of one thing that uh we has happened since we've uh last got on the podcast here and that was actually a uh, tournament that took place right as the olympics began in atlanta and i i you know in that tournament, Kyrgios uh, wins it over Isner, three-time champion at what is essentially a hometown event. Um, Kyrgios, to me, I, I think especially with all that is a bit uncertain with injuries on the tour to some of the um, bigger players, you know, we're not going to see Federer the rest of this year. Djokovic, we talked about him a little bit. We still really kind of have to see what Rafa, you know, how his sort of a return from injury goes and I, I almost think of Kyrgios I really compare it to the spot he was in last year you remember at the open uh, he ends up drawing Murray in the first round and this is fresh off of all uh, his antics and the controversy that swelled from that you know he couldn't he couldn't have wanted to be anywhere less than um, on in Arthur Ashe Stadium uh, on a match like that with the spotlight on him again and you know, Kyrgios has had another very. It's been a, an up and down year to to be sure, but um, I have to say, on the whole, I've I have really been encouraged by this season for him. Um, not in terms of of finding this consistent top five, uh, you know, great, but I do think it's it's worth keeping an eye on what he does the rest of this hard court season. You know, leading into even 2017, perhaps I, I did want to mention him as someone who has kind of caught my eye away from the Olympics. Yeah, winning the title in Atlanta. I think this year, you know, it's yet to be seen what happens with his attitude and how much he he wants to play. That's always that he's admitted. That's that's always a question with him and and whether he can keep his concentration. But I think this year has shown that the talent is undeniably there. He's won two tournaments. You know, seemingly, just you know, even without seemingly saying that he's now he's changed and is and is devoting himself to the game, he still seems a little ambivalent about tennis. Yet he's still won two tournaments. That alone, you know, lets you know that there's there's a big future there. You know, whatever happens with his with his attitude or or how he approaches the game, you know, the the talent is clear at this point beating Isner in Atlanta Isner had won the tournament a few times previously um to just come in and win that in that way that's you know like you said that's a I, I think that's a that's as much as you can expect or or it's a, as much as positives you can take as curious can give you this season yeah and one more person I want to mention a little off the radar too we're actually uh watching this right now um is Steve Johnson who like Kyrgios um is that kind of, you know, Johnson, I would say, certainly probably his breakout season, if you will. He is uh, rising quickly up the rankings. He's 
he's probably not that far away actually from the being the top ranked American. Isner still has that spot, but Johnson recently moved, moved past Jack Sock, I believe, or in the in the high 20s um, or the low 20s technically in the rankings and um you know it looks like it looks like he's going to advance today just you know won a first set over elias of portugal um and it's it's another person who we don't haven't often talked about a lot but um has really um you know really taken some big strides this season yeah maybe he's sort of the the new model of 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 a guy who moves up the ranks you know rather than Rather than breaking out immediately when he's when he's a teenager, he's he's you know mid twenties. He he went to college, um, has sort of steadily gone up the ranks. It took this year. He started out this year ranked pretty high, his career high, um, and then didn't handle that so well. Had a just had a, got sort of into a rut and lost a, a bunch of a bunch of early matches, but um, kind of stuck with it and, and has had a good. Second half of the year so far, he won um, his first tournament in Nottingham. He had a good Wimbledon, and he was really, you know, I think he was really fired up to be on the Olympic team. He's a big team guy, having played at USC for four years. You know, having, you know, he's he's always talked about how much that helped him. I, you know, I think the chance to, I don't think he expected to be on the Olympic team at the start of the year, but a couple of guys dropped out, Quarry and Isner, and, and he's there and he's making the most of it now. So maybe he's sort of. He's had that little uh, run up the rankings, had to adjust, and now he's he's ready to do it again. We'll see. Um, he's also in the doubles with Sock. Yes, that's true as well. Um, we will uh, we'll get back uh, after the Olympics conclude, and uh, want to catch up on a lot of things at that point. We'll I think we'll know a lot more of where the landscape is moving forward uh, on both tours. Um, tune in again for that. For Steve Tegner and myself, Ed McGrogan, this is the Tennis.com Podcast. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com Podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.